You're listening to 106.9 here on Tune FM. UNE is investigating the scale of farm crime across Australia in a survey that has not been conducted in more than 20 years. The purpose of the research is to shine a spotlight on crimes that are specifically related to rural workers and properties, while also using insights of farmers to recommend strategies to governments to reduce farm crime. Common farm crimes can include theft of cattle and farm equipment, trespassing and damage to property. There have been calls for a national report for years and researchers within the UNE Centre of Rural Criminology are glad to be spearheading the research. I am joined by criminology senior lecturer Dr Carl Mulrooney to discuss the survey, the impacts of farm crime and what UNE hopes to achieve with their involvement. Dr Mulrooney, thank you for joining with me today. Thanks for having me, Ben. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your work and how you came to be involved in the survey? Yeah, sure. Uh, My work is in rural criminology, which broadly speaking just applies a rural lens to complex crime issues. Part of that has been looking at the issue of farm crime specifically. Um, In particular, we have ran the New South Wales survey in 2020, um, and out of that came some fairly significant results at the state level. A colleague of mine, Dr. Alistair Harkness, who also works in the Centre of Rural Criminology, has done the same in Victoria. Uh, But as you pointed out in the intro there, one of the issues that we found is that we've got a significant dark figure of crime period. So that is police reported statistics uh, do not align with the victimization data. There's very, very high levels of victimization that come out of these New South Wales um, and Victorian surveys. In New South Wales, 81% of farmers had experienced uh, crime in the past. A lot of this is repeat victimization. So 30% experienced it seven or more times. And that was the, the highest number they could select there on the survey. And so you've got this dark figure of crime when the victimization surveys do not align with the reported data uh, to police. Um, And then wider than that, not only at this state-based level, but across Australia, we really have very little understanding of this complex issue, uh, especially in those uh, other states. So why do you think uh, farm crime tends to go so unreported? Well, there are a variety of reasons that come out of the research that we have to date. One of it is just the complexity of the environment in which farmers are operating. So you think of a busy urban environment, right? You've got technology, CCTV, you've got formal guardians like police security, you've got informal guardians like people around to see you uh, commit the act and possibly intervene or report. You don't have any of that in a rural space. And so, for instance, let's go with the example of stock theft. Stop could be stolen uh, and the farmer might not notice for days, weeks, months, a very long time. They report that, the police turn up, there's a three-month gap, there's absolutely no evidence to go off of. And so oftentimes the farmer will realize that ahead of time and just not even not even uh, report it. A lot of the time they might have had a bad experience the first time they reported. Uh, so they might get police that don't really comprehend the nature of the offense, that is the gravity of the offense, that It's not, for instance, somebody's pet or it involves a lot of economic investment, a lot of time investment, a lot of emotional investment on the part of farmers. Uh, My colleague, Dr. Alistair Harkness, always gives the example of an anecdote a farmer in Victoria gave him where he had a a bunch of rams stolen and an officer rocked up and asked him about American pickup trucks. And sort of right off the bat, there's just that cultural disconnect between the farmer and the police. Um, And it doesn't bode well for confidence over the long term. The Bush Telegraph's a strong thing. Uh, Farmers kind of report these experiences. And uh, I think overall and over time, that sort of led to a significant reluctance to report. One of the significant things to come out of the the New South Wales survey too, which we knew anecdotally, but it was um, not good to see, but I guess uh, nice to have the data to support it, was the farmers reporting fear of reprisal. That is, 
and this is what gets me back to that that idea of rural criminology. It's the dynamics of, in this case, social density play upon a decision to report crime. That is, if I report this crime, I know who did it, and there's there can be social repercussions, or in this case, there was concerns around uh, physical violent-based uh, repercussions for reporting this offender. Goodness me, that's terrible. Yeah. That's horrific. In regards to the economic damage, do you know the annual cost of farm crimes on farmers across Australia or New South Wales? Yeah, so if we go back to that dark figure, uh, it's very difficult to actually capture the true economic impact. Um, data from the New South Wales Police is about $4 million per year per farmer. That only takes into account the actual theft of particular cattle. It doesn't account for on costs, that is genetic uh, heritage, uh, stud stocks, um, wool and the like. And so they estimate that around $50 million. PwC has done a report in around $50, $60 million again. But if we consider the sheer amount of uh, offending that goes unreported. So go back to the New South Wales Farm Crime Survey, only around 50% of stock theft was actually reported to the police. And that's what they're basing those economic figures off of. So if we multiply that by 50%, consider those on costs, those financial uh, burdens to farmers are quite significant. Potentially over a million dollars a year. Four million. And Four that's, million. Yeah, and that's not accounting for those on costs I spoke about, nor the, the sheer amount that goes unreported. That, that's genuinely it's it's mind-blowing so given that this is the first survey of its kind in over 20 years as i mentioned why has there been such a long gap in the surveys yeah well there's probably a lot of reasons for that i think um issues of crime and criminality whether you're thinking about it from a academic perspective or approach or even from the interests of policymakers and politicians is that the urban uh, bias, the urban is sort of favored or the urban uh, environment gets the attention. I guess sort of urban-centric issues uh, dominate. And so this has been ignored uh, for a relatively long time. I think the Australian Institute of Criminology undertook their farm crime surveys at a national level in 2000 between 2001 and 2003, and that was the last time uh, we've successfully captured it. So I think it's I think it's academic interest as well as investment in these types of issues. Uh, luckily, here we have the Centre for Rural Criminology, and our primary purpose is to um, identify issues, solve problems, and find a way forward um, when it comes to crime and broader uh, socioeconomic harms that are impacting upon rural communities. And so, again, off the back of those state-based surveys, it was a bit of a no-brainer to sort of do our best to fill this gap so that we can inform policymakers, we can inform uh, police decision-makers with a robust evidence base. And I know that you touched a little bit before on the uh, the fact that a, a farmer in a rural area can, you know, it can take quite some time for, for them to notice that stock have been stolen, given that it's, you know, a lot of them are managing properties that are, you know, very, very, very large. Is Beyond that reason, what sort of, uh, what differentiates uh, rural crimes from those more seen, more frequently seen in urban agricultural settings, given that this survey is thankfully looking more at rural crime? Yeah, I think, again, it it really comes down to the capacity for crime prevention in these spaces. So if we think a sort of crime prevention 101 perspective, a lot of it is based on rational choice theory, which looks at offenders making risk-reward decisions. So you're not going to rob a bank in 2023. Why? Because the risk that you're going to get caught is really high. And while the reward might be high, it doesn't balance out. And so you make the rational choice not to rob that bank, hopefully. Now, if you turn that into the the rural environment, 
the reward is extremely high. I mean, cattle are $2,000 or more walking around on four legs. You've got extremely expensive machinery. You've got uh, a tools, um, farm inputs, chemicals, diesel, you name it, very high value items. But at the same time, the risk is really low. Um, I always say if I was going to be a crook, I'd be a rural crook. There's no better environment in which to um, particularly engage in acquisitive crimes, to steal things. There's nobody around to see you do the job often. Technology is, it's getting better thanks to agricultural technology like smart ear tags, uh, pretty interesting CCTVs, drones and the like. But generally, there's not much technology in these spaces that can help mitigate these types of offenses. And so you have a, a, an environment that is really in the advantage of the offenders um, and very difficult to, to tackle from a crime prevention perspective. When you've got a farmer that's got, say, hundreds or thousands of cattle, I'm not... Uh, I'm don't have any experience working on a farm I'm so I'm not sure what the exact figures are but is someone coming along and pinching you know one or two one or two cows it's not gonna it's not going to be something that's easily noticed those smart tags that you mentioned could they do they have like GPS markers could you maybe track them through yep. through oh, that's that's yeah. that, that's something it's not obviously foolproof but I'm glad that there is at least some way some of trying tech, yeah. to track them to trace them down if they do go missing or they get they get nicked um, so in regards to rural crimes as we mentioned we mentioned the economic damage we mentioned that it it unfortunately it's a lot easier to like you said be a criminal in a rural area than an urban area what are you hoping uh what do you what is UNE hoping to achieve with this research yeah well a couple of things I think as I mentioned just having that evidence base uh, primarily for us it's giving a voice to the farmers actually having that evidence base from an academic perspective but I think most importantly from a practical perspective so again drawing on the stuff we got up New South Wales we developed crime prevention campaigns that were informed by the evidence uh, we supplied this information to the police um, and they were able to use that to uh, um, understand how best to police and engage in crime prevention in rural communities. And so if we can get this information up the chain to police decision makers, to farming organizations, to farmers themselves, to policymakers, we hope that we'll be able to sort of shift the needle in this space and, and, and try to actually address this issue. Is that what you personally are hoping that the research achieves? Is there any other, is there anything else that you specifically would like to see come out of this? No, I think for me personally, uh, um, I think one of the most important things for me as a criminologist in my work is to be able to actually see real-world impact. It's great to get it in journals and very important, and it's, it's, it's great to contribute to your wider academic field, which of course is an effort. But I think most of all for me at the end of the day, I like to look back and say, okay, so so what? That was a big question my, uh, my PhD supervisor, Dr. Roger Matthews, would always inject into his work. He wrote a really interesting article called uh, So What Criminology? Have a read. Um, and that really has always stuck with me, is really thinking, okay, we've got this data, we've got this information, now what? Um, and really the drive to not just simply sit on it or be satisfied uh, uh, with, with the collection of the data, to, but to try to actually apply it to, to real-world problems and, and have some real-world solutions. That's fair, very well said. How, um, how can farmers around rural areas, how can they get involved? Is the survey reaching out uh, to property, to, to, to farmers, or can they, is, there a, is there a way that they can directly um, answer or get involved themselves? Yeah, well, if COVID did, did one thing, it was get more people online. And from a, <laughs> yes. from, from a survey perspective, particularly of, of rural farming communities, um, that has been quite helpful. We have, and I've never seen it before, such a supportive, robust network of individuals, organizations, 
you name it, farmers' federations to more unique uh, peak bodies and representatives that that have helped us share this survey um, and help us get the word out to farmers. Um, if any farmers or landholders are listening to this, the best place is old Google UNE Farm Crime Survey, and it should be the first hit. Um, otherwise, on the Center for Rural Criminology at UNE's website, there's also a link to the survey. What other, just to end on a on a on a note surrounding the UNE uh, Criminology Center, because it is such a a fantastic initiative. What other work do does the centre do on a daily, weekly basis? On a daily, weekly basis? Yeah, a lot. And again, um, going back to, to my answer of, of what I do as a rural criminologist, it's really looking at criminology broadly speaking. So any issues that tend to be uh, under the microscope of criminology, domestic violence uh, is usually the quintessential example. It's trying to apply a rural lens to that and, and better understand it. So sticking with this example of domestic violence, for instance, it's the same offense in, in rural and urban environments, but it's very covered by where the offense occurs. And this comes out of spatial criminology. And so an example can be um, social density is so important. And particularly when it comes to social density, if you're going to report your offender um, in an environment where your offender may be friends with the individual that you're reporting with or close contacts, or if you're going to seek some form of refuge or support, the, the social density and the fact that people have more insight into your, your comings and goings in your business makes it very difficult to access help. Whereas in a uh, less socially dense environment, you'd get that level of anonymity. You'd maybe get access to services that aren't tinged or colored by the fact that, that your victimizer could have a sort of uh, a role or, or relationship in those services. Um, and so the center really looks broadly at criminological issues. We've got over 100 uh, research associates now looking at things from policing, justice, and morality, uh, the criminological dimensions of food and agriculture, drug uh, producing, trafficking, and consumption in rural communities. So really the whole gambit of, of criminological issues, again, from, from that uh, rural criminological perspective. Do you think, and make no mistake, as someone that, you know, I've lived in a rural environment for more or less most of my life, I think it's fantastic that we've got a centre that does put rural, uh, put rural criminology as opposed to just general um, Australia and New South Wales wide uh, criminology and studies at the forefront is fantastic. Going back to um, the survey, even, you know, we're hoping that results from the survey will help to guide governmental interventions, governmental policy, police strategies. Um, that would be fantastic. Do you think that just the fact that someone is shining a light on this and, you know, that there is this survey being done, do you think that in itself is maybe a bit of a, not necessarily a morale boost, but might be a, might be a music to the ears of rural farmers that have been hit by these crimes, knowing that at least people are trying to work on it to shine a light on what's going on. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. You've got some great insight in that farmers um, want to be seen and heard. And so we kind of um, did a big methodological no-no with both these surveys, and that is we asked a lot of questions. Um, and in terms of people actually com completing surveys, uh, asking a lot of questions is usually not the way to go. But what New South Wales has shown us and what the results, the overwhelming um, response rate thus far that we've had to the Australian Farm Crime Survey is that farmers are willing to take the time. And I think, again, that comes down to wanting to be seen and heard. And if we can take this example into the policy domain again, New South Wales is really interesting in that they actually have a rural crime prevention team. And a lot of these uh, individuals, their detectives, have... Uh, industry or cultural experience. And what comes across in that to the farmer, they reported to us in our survey, is that there's a 
boost of confidence in this group because they actually know they can sort of uh, not just talk the talk but they can walk the walk so in our survey for instance when we ask farmers about police confidence their confidence in police is really low they don't report crime However, when we actually look at farmers that have engaged with this rural crime prevention team, they indicate significantly higher levels of confidence in the police overall. And they're also, I think most importantly, very likely to, or much, sorry, much more likely to report crime. And that's good. And hopefully, you know, if we, if this, once the survey is completed, if we can get more, if we can get a change of the way that reporting is done and the way that policing is conducted in this area, if that can improve confidence in the police and therefore lead to more reporting, all the better. That's it. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Mulroney. We really appreciate it. And thank you for helping us uh, bring more awareness to this issue. And with a bit of luck, we get a very, very decent amount of uh, survey responses and a lot of research from it. You're listening to 106.9 here on Tune FM on the home of UNE's student-powered radio.